0: This is the Winning Plays podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading
1: online provider
0: for the NBA's winningest franchise. Winning Plays is back for the final edition of the 22-23 Celtics season. My name is Brian Robb, and back for the postmortem, Chris Forsberg of NBC Sports Boston. This episode of the Winning Plays podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network head on over to Fando.com slash boston to get your first no sweat first bet and Chris I like to leave your court for a lot of these Beginning of the podcast so i'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna start here do you want to talk about game seven at all
1: mm. or do you just
0: want to look ahead here because this is uh we, we can we can we can talk about the game but it it's, yeah. it's not be clear. do we have
1: to so <laughs> uh yeah I thought uh jason Tatum had the the perfect summation when someone was asking him about the sort of roller coaster nature of the of the season and missed opportunities and he said shit happens uh you know and the past is the past so that's the way I feel about game seven I don't know if I if we need to recap it uh we can get angry about I mean wh- wh- well, let's what let's talk about the see?
0: series then let's talk about I feel like the, the bigger picture here is like the series. Okay. The because this, this stinker in game seven mm-hmm having to come back from th- win four games or whatever, like there, there's a lot there. They should have never been in this spot. This, this should have been a two, one deficit after game three, after a classic out. because if mm-hmm. I feel after game two was the game that should be remembered the most about this series as from a losing standpoint from this other, because that was the game that was there. And I feel like game one was there besides then they started I mean, you, the ball. But game two is like, I feel like the, lo- the wrong players are on the court for game two. I guess. Yeah, that's that my biggest thing.
1: You know, and, and ultimately that just circles back to an encapsulation of the year where, like, you, it, we talk a lot about blame pie. And I tell you all the time, like, I know people want to just, like, hone in on one person. Like, we've had our nights where we're mad at Missoula, and then we're mad at Jalen for eight turnovers, and then we're, we're mad at Tatum for being inconsistent. I mean, this is what it was for the Celtics. It was up and down and all over the place. And from night to night, you never knew what you were going to get. And ultimately, the coach never consistently put his team in the best position to win. I thought he figured out a little bit as that Heat series went on, made me feel a little bit better about moving forward. And yet, like, everyone's at fault here. Like, they all messed up in some form or another. And so – uh you know we kept saying i mean how often did we come on this pod or my pod and say like it's gonna bite them eventually and somehow they managed to to not bite them until a game and and, and not that it was game seven exactly because like you said it's the totality of the series but they ran into a team that does know is its identity does play to a to a certain standard every night and was just you know the fact that they got hot shooting during that, during that series was enough to, to fell the celtics so um yeah, avoidable situation though. And it, a lot of what could have been will, will occur this offseason.
0: From a game seven standpoint, here were you more disappointed with like the defense or the offense in terms of like how this game actually went? Because for as bad as you know the threes didn't go in, another brutal shooting night, the the number of like mistakes made defensively, the lack of like cohesion on that end of the floor, which was again there at times, but then for it to yeah. like completely unravel like that was just like pretty jarring based on like what the the level of personnel you're supposed to have in in this series.
1: I mean, what they have 15 points in the first quarter, so it's hard for me not to be like the first, the offense was really frustrating because I didn't think they played with any pace. But it was always connected, right? Like they—if you get stops, the more opportunity you get to go in transition, the easier you can make your life. And I, I go back to it. That's the Celtics in a nutshell. They just never made their lives easy. And could they have played defense to that level that they did in games four through six more often? Probably. And it—I mean, there were just some dumb lapses, some dumb lobs, and then like you know, Marcus threw one to the moon and then didn't get back on defense and they hit a three, and I, you know it's just over and over this team complicated its life and to the point where it it finally caught up with them. And so I guess that's where I'm at. I I thought both sides were, were nowhere near the level that they needed to be nowhere near where they should have been in a game seven. And ultimately that's, I guess that's, that's where I land overall. How do you not, how do you work that hard to get back from Oh three? How do you work that hard to get back to the, 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 the doorstep of, the finals after you said all like for the last 365 days, how much motivation that's been and then turn in that much of a dud. Like I don't want to hear about Tatum's ankle or like the struggles of the role players, how are you not locked in more in that moment? That's what's frustrating the most to me.
0: Yeah. It's, it's like the defense in my, that's like the one of the controllables and you're mm, Like effort. for them not to be, you know, you, you saw some of the, the mistakes on the perimeter and t- like they were still there throughout the whole series, but they faded a bit in those four to six games. And then back when it's all on the line again, back when you, you come out of the gate strong, the heat are not in a rhythm in those first six minutes at all the score. What like six points, you know, out of the gate until Malcolm Brogdon came into the game and then it all kind of can't haywire from there. And I don't know. They, I mean, the, the last thing I'll say about, seven is Malcolm Brogdon those seven minutes <laughs> like I don't know how many minutes too long that was but that probably
1: was probably seven it's
0: the I don't think I've seen a, an, an air ball missed by that much before for me <laughs> we, we had we had the perfect perspective on the on press yeah. row of, like how unaligned that was and for a guy who you you'd admire the grit you admire him trying to give it like he's obviously going to try to play but that's a situation where, whether it's a training staff or Joe or whoever, like, or even Malcolm having the awareness being like, you know, I'm not giving don't,
1: these guys anything. Don't you have to, don't you have to in that situation be like the adult in the room and go like, Malcolm, I know you want to be out there. Yeah, you got to take he it out of his just, hands. Yeah, and so don't even give him the opportunity. It was a little disappointing that, and it's it, not like it's swung the game, but it was just clear from the, the, the start that he, he didn't have it. And um, like, I know he wants to be out there, but. You know, in a moment like that, you just got to ride with what you got. And on top of all that, Tatum getting hurt in the first play of the game, you know, go figure when he's been healthy for almost the majority of the season, even Derek White limping off, you know, just, just, but you put yourself in that position, didn't have to be at a game seven. And, uh, you know, ultimately that's where I fall back on it.
0: I think ultimately the one good thing about this series is like Derek White as hopefully asserting himself as a clear starter for this team going forward. And now, like, I mean, mean, never say never, Rob. I mean, mean, don't, don't go there.
1: (laughs) It was, it was miraculous. He was out there for crunch time in game six and got him to the finish line. But um, yeah, like, look, I think there'll be a lot of, uh, I keep saying, there'll be a lot of introspection this, this summer. And I hope everyone from the front office to the coaches will take inventory of how everything played out. And one of the main positives should be, geez, when Derek White's on the court, good things happen. And so hopefully they play him a whole bunch more next year mm-hmm. and understand that. Like if you were saying who the Celtics big three is right now, I, are you putting who who's in there? Is it like, if you were the three players you want, like the most in that core. And I love Marcus Smart. Oh yeah. Like Derek, Derek White has fits what the, the Jays do the best probably. And so he needs to be When's when is that extension eligible is he uh thinking, that's a good question make,
0: I think I want to say that's it's probably maybe sometime in the fall or something like that mm, like that feels right because he, right? he's
1: entering the second to last year of his deal so if I if I'm trying to think of the uh early extensions like smart did and stuff like that but yeah it just feels like if there's one guy you want to kind of lock in and, and you're willing to pay, pay that money to uh Derek White's that guy
0: so looking at big picture now, and, and we'll get into the off season a ton here, like in the months to come. There's a lot to really get nitty gritty. But that's all like, people want to hear, right? That's all, all you right? want to hear right now. But like I, I can't help but notice like for all these quote unquote big decisions the Celtics have ahead of them right now. It's like, okay, Joe Missoula yeah, like rough year, but like what else are they gonna do? Mm-hmm. Fourth course is four coaches, you know. In four four coaches in four years. Can they really do that? It's like, but like, what's the alternative? Jalen Brown, same situation. Supermax, like, Ooh, like they kind of have to give it to him because what else are they going to do otherwise? But what is that going to look like in a couple years? Mm-hmm. And so it's to me from the front office standpoint, it's like you are given how this core has responded in these spots over the years. From a player wise, from a development standpoint, like almost everyone on this roster took a step sideways or a step back this year, mm-hmm. I would say.
1: Except Derek White.
0: Except for Derek White. And so now, like, you have, there's a lot on you right here in terms of like, if you, if you go with the, the highly favored run it back scenario with right. some tweaks on the edges there, you, you risk, I think, slipping back a little bit more here, and yeah, then putting sure. yourself in a real tough, you know, conundrum in a year from now. If it's like, all right, that wasn't enough. Still, and we we still we really don't have any options now with the limitations
1: that we're we're, we're facing with the new uh, CBA coming in. To me, the flip side is if you win a championship in the next two years, you've sort of given yourself the okay. We'll figure it out. Like you got one, yeah. and and so, like, if I look at this team and I say, what is their best roadmap? to a championship, I don't necessarily think trading Jalen Brown for random aging superstar or spare parts or whatever the case may be, gives you a better chance in the short term. So as much as it's frustrating that this core hasn't been able to take that next step and despite all these trips to the Eastern Conference Finals, all you have to show is one NBA Finals lost that, you know, again, you're, you're kind of kicking yourself. I'm not sure I see a better roadmap to uh definitively being a championship. Now if something we can we can certainly re uh re revisit the uh Jalen Brown, Kevin Durant thing from before the season and if a deal like that pops up, like I'll listen. I I still don't know because I I know in the moment I was pretty staunch that you stick with the guy who's twenty six and all NBA and all that. Um but certainly it's 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 worthy to at least ponder what's a, what's out there um like as, as I hear everybody start talking about Dame Lillard and stuff like that it doesn't excite me at anywhere near yeah. the level of a Durant so um and then you go the opposite way and I know Ryan wrote about it this morning but you know do you call San Antonio and do you call I've seen others pitch call Memphis and ask about Bain which talk about <laughs> talk about life coming full circle um I just don't know if I, if if, if, the, if those do anything for me. I think you're taking more of a risk there that uh, now all of a sudden Tatum's looking around, going, "This is this is the supporting cast. This is what I got. This is what I got to carry." And there's a chance that goes sideways. So my general, and I hate, I know people hate the idea of, of running it back, but my general inclination is you get Jalen to sign. You say, OK, Joe's back, but we're going to beef up that coaching staff in in multiple ways, not just like one addition, probably like a veteran guy, a veteran player who isn't afraid to kind of call Tatum and, and Brown on on their ways, wayward ways. And then, um, you know, maybe maybe Stephen Silas is part of that, too. So I had some former coaching experience. Uh, and then you you take a hard look at your, at your core, you know, what do you, we were talking about on the drive home last night, like. Malcolm Brogdon is probably a negative asset. I don't know what you're getting for him, but if you could move him for a backup center and get off the money a little bit, you know, probably fits more of what you need right now. So those are the decisions that you got to look at. And I do think there's a hard conversation about smart. Um, But for me, it's pretty much I'm packing up Jason, Jalen, Derek, Rob, maybe Marcus, Hauser, and you're just kind of figuring out the pieces from there, you know. Use Gallo like you should have at the deadline. You brought up that great point last night. That <laughs> I started thinking about it. I got mad. Um, and figure this thing out. Like get get some more players that fit how you're trying to play. That can mask if you do have to downshift a little bit in losing a Brogdon and uh, and make it happen.
0: Yeah, it's. I and mean, you look at Tatum's comment on Brown last night too. Like all this talk about like they they made when they didn't pull the trigger. On Durante. I don't even know if like the Nets would ever dealt them to him to the Celtics in the first place. Um, right, it's, it's, like that's they're all. not doing
1: that. But if I... they're
0: not doing that, like you're not, there's nothing else on the table that you're gonna get for Jalen Brown right now. When you have Tatum endorsing him staying here, that is not gonna like that's not happening. They're like you're gonna look at that to you like as you said, like like in a year or two, you have this a little bit of a runway here to like give another crack at it. Right, with better parts, better fits around him. but that's that's not going to happen. The Joe Musial part of this, and I think, I mean, I wrote about this after the Cubs went down 3-0. I think Brad Stevens needs to like should be take front ownership. and center here to take some ownership. Yeah. Like this was this like especially when Stoudemire went out the door, and I know it's tough to add people mid season, but like you, and I don't know if it goes up to ownership too, but like you, this is when you have this guy, kind of, like, you pay like pay a head coach's salary for someone to come in here and like fill yeah. that gap like pay whoever you want, whether it was, you know, Vogel, like we've heard all the names. I think all those guys for the right price would have come in here and had yeah. done that. And now for when you look at how this series played out and the games that slipped away from them and, and it starts with the players, but it's the the value of having a voice like that on the bench for Joe. And from the a player's perspective, it's like, that's something they're gonna like. That's gonna sting for a long time. I feel like, and and it's. I think that's that's gonna leave a pretty big mark.
1: I'm with you, and and I think I would. We were talking last night about how quick Brad will talk here. I do think probably should get out ahead of it, and, and probably try to do that. I know it's easier to just kind of wait and let people kind of come back to earth, but it would be good if he came out and said, "Look, you know, I thought I built a good roster. Got Malcolm in here, kind of shored up what we thought we needed last year. Injury hit at the wrong time for him." But I failed my coach. You know, I put my coach in a tough spot and there was a huge talent drain from Ime and Will Hardy and uh Damon Sodemeyer and then obviously Joe Balting to the front. And you're left with a group that had I mean, if you go through and total up the number of games of it, like of just say playing experience that the the Celtics bench had, it's like I think it's in the teens of, of NBA games played. Wow. And the number of games coached is 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 few. And so I just don't think I just don't think you you put your, your team in the best position to succeed based on that. And Celtics have had a, hit, a history of not wanting to overpay for like assistant coaches and okay. But you know, the the numbers are out there today about what Joe's got left on his contract. You're paying him what $4.3 million per year. Um, I think Brad was up at 6 million. So you're somewhere some money to play with in the past. So uh, you know, use some of those resources, get a coach that can strengthen that bench that Joe can actually go to and be like, what should I do in this situation? Because I'm not sure he's looking at, and no disrespect to Ben Sullivan and everybody else, but you know, like, do you trust those guys when they haven't been through the fire completely? Well, I guess Ben won a championship. So, um, you know, it's hard, hard to come down on him, but there's just, there's just not a lot of experience on that bench right now. Yeah. It's between that and
0: the, the, and you can see like like the the Galanari stuff. It's like, He's what he's gonna come back next year, not look great in thirty games, and they're probably gonna have to trade him then for like like salary concerns. And then it's just like, okay, well then what what are we doing here? Like why I, I know it would have stung, it would've looked bad at the traded line from a whatever, a morale standpoint, but you compare it to where you are right now and you're just like, oof, like Mike Pascal, that was it. And, and- look.
1: The other thing I go back to is Brad has been pretty much the golden child since elevating to this role and has got a lot of like positive for what he's done and deservedly so. Um, he just kind of has to take ownership that in spots that could have helped the team this year, he didn't do it. And I guess that's what I go back to like why I'm frustrated with Missoula. You know, he has you know, the coach can't necessarily save them players from themselves at all times, but he can try. And I don't think Joe always used everything at his disposal from the timeouts to the way they played to maximize his team's potential. So I go back to it. Everyone is at fault here and everyone needs to be better. And they all need to take ownership for it.
0: It's a good point. It's like all year long, Joe's like, yeah, I, these experiences of like not calling time monkeys, they're going to learn from this stuff. And then you get to game six and game seven of like, this is when it's on the line the most. And the end of that game six, before Mm -hmm. White's put back like that meltdown would have been legendary, but in hindsight, maybe they wish they had happened because it would have spared them from getting booed on their home court in the game (laughs) seven (laughs) in another spot where it's just like, okay, like we Tatum can't do what he usually does. Like how are we going to figure this out? How are we going to like play through this improvised offense? And we had, and they just had absolutely no plan B when the shots weren't falling and when everyone was just pressing to do too much. And we knew that about this team, Chris, like this is, this is why it's not on Joe from that standpoint of like, this is three or four years of like this core of like kind of drinking in these moments. And it's admirable that Joe thought he could like let them play through it as a way of fixing that. But that clearly is not the solution here.
1: And that ultimately is the only thing that gives me pause with the whole run it back suggestion. Like, again, I think there'll be small tweaks on the outside and getting the money in line for when, the cba does become more prohibitive but i do worry that just bringing this group back doesn't solve some of their more overlying issues that have lingered through years so you know i don't have any answers for that did like do you, help me out like what do they do, do is it just can they is their personnel do they just need someone like a veteran player that can steer them in those moments they need does coaching is that enough to get them on track like help me piece this thing together b-rock
0: it's, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to be all optimistic unless there's some type of shift beyond, you know, like if, 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 as expected, Brown's back, Missoula's back, the guard situation, like you move Brogdon, do you keep Pritchard and just say, hey, Payton, we really, that was a pretty, like, we probably should have spent that first round pick and, um, you know, all Aaron e. Smith and everything else there on something where, yeah, Brogdon is better than you, but is he enough of a like we would we've been better allocated those resources to a different part of right. the roster? Um after this playoff run, is it looks like yes, I know Brogdon was hurt, but even before he got hurt, I think he wasn't he wasn't a guy that was a game changer in these in these playoffs for
1: them. And to, I mean, to give them the the benefit of the doubt there is that it took until the playoffs to realize like what Malcolm Brogdon's limitations were. And like in the regular season, I, even I fell for it. I was like, wow, you know, the scoring punch and just the steadying, you know, he, he did provide some of the ball security that they didn't have, but then he gets the playoffs and you just tell the team for targeting him, um, you know, didn't always hold up well in those situations. And then when the scoring disappeared because of the injury, it's like, what's he giving you? And, and that's, maybe that's not fair because because he was injured, but it's um, just a tough way to kind of finish up there For, for Malcolm and, it, and just like you said When you've got $60 million committed to guards You know You start looking at the, the totality of the roster And thinking, man, they, they probably need that in other spots What what happens with Grant?
0: Oof I I think he's back on a deal That both sides probably aren't crazy about <laughs> Like From a standpoint of like I don't know Where Grant's getting paid where he wants to get paid like who's gonna you know like guys get offer sheets and restricted free agency but this is one where the celtics certainly they can't afford to lose him um in terms of what how they can replace him and i don't know if grants played well enough this season given him being jerked around to a point where like what team's gonna throw like 50 million dollars at him like I it's it's hard to kind of foresee that happening either
1: that that's my issue is like I would love to tell you definitively if the Celtics should pay to keep Grant Williams but I didn't see enough of them at the end of the season to to necessarily know and so you know the coach complicated matters there where they they never we could never figure out if they were committed to Grant or not and it was so vital to at least getting that thing to happen against Miami so I don't know it's just they've Every turn they could they made their lives more difficult at every level than it needed to be and now you know, all right now now you got some tough decisions and and not a lot of easy answers I do think so the 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 qualifying offers date i mean the reports were what that they were gonna they were willing to go to eleven twelve million dollars yeah in, you know before the deadline I think yeah before the yeah the extension deadline i I would suspect they'd be willing to go there because of they don't really have another option to to fill that role and yet um does a Charlotte come out of the woods with a $15 million offer and hope they're finding yes. their finding the next Caleb Martin.
0: Gordon Hayward so. says hello. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. um,
1: they love former Celtics down there. So. All
0: right, let's wrap up on this then. Jalen Brown ne- negotiations.
1: Is you it can't. a, There's is no it negotiation, a negotiation is the question. Is there a negotiation? There's none. You can't do that. That's you want to talk about the quickest way to really mess up your summer, start playing around with that negotiation, and then I I promise you, this team is in a heap of trouble. Like, what are you saving? Two million dollars a year when you're gonna pay a guy fifty million? Like, let's not let's not. So you pay the players that are that are supermax eligible, supermax money, and you deal with the pain points. So, I mean, I just I really just think that's that would be asking for trouble. I don't I, I like I don't even think you can think it. Um, I think you just have to I think be you can like, think
0: it after that game seven now. I don't think you can yeah, think yeah, it after
1: Were you thinking it when he was the best, most consistent player over the last like half of the season when Tatum was struggling and fading from the MVP race and Jalen was going for 30 a night and no, we all thought that, he was a mass superhero.
0: That's what I mean. That's yeah, like no, Jaylen's I know. We're all prisoners of the
1: moment, but I just I just think and I get it. You're always gonna think there's something better out there that it's easy to go get the top twenty-five player, and you know, again, we can debate where. Jalen ranks in the hierarchy. I get people at work telling me all the time, like he's definitively not a top twenty player. And you know, look, he's got flaws. If Jalen did nothing but go dribble a basketball in a pool this summer, <laughs> you know, like whatever he's got to do to, to to tighten up that handle, I think it alleviates a lot of what ails him. uh And you know, there it, he's just got to commit to it. And I know it's not that he didn't in the past, like. Am I crazy? Like, didn't, wasn't his ball handling better at the start of the year? And then somehow it just completely evaporated. Yeah.
0: And you wonder, like, how much of that is like fatigue or the nerves of the playoffs or whatever. Right. That this, like, you know, the, it comes to roost every, uh, you know, on the biggest stage. And like Miami, to even give, I mean, give the heat, like, they know how to, like, they know exactly where his pressure points yeah. were. And they, uh, they attacked it ruthlessly in game seven and most of that series, to be honest. And, and kind of put him in a brutal spot, but
1: I, yeah. I, don't, I don't I don't want to be the optimistic guy because I'm, I'm certainly not in the optimism camp at uh at this point. But um, so let's say they do run it back, and you come back, and Rob's definitively better than he was this entire the entirety of the season, and you actually play Grant and Jalen and Jason continue to make strides. Are we sure they're like, you know, that running back's not the best option?
0: Yeah. I mean you look at like look at the Nuggets this year. As a yeah. team of like they've kept it together. They to uh, kind of took their lumps.
1: Even the heat, right? Like the the heat, of, yeah. It, yeah. So I'm just saying, pick careful what you wish for.
0: No, yeah. It's I think your logic on that front is the one we're gonna see. And the question is, can they get creative around the edges with it? Mm-hmm. Um I hope Zaren's
1: ready. This is a big offseason for Zaren. Huge and,
0: jobs, like to to figure all this out while keeping the long term path to contention open with all these new rules coming into effect. Half of them we don't even know about yet with this new CBA. That's gonna be uh it's gonna be some long nights. Um trying to figure out. Ryan's got everybody in
1: panic mode already. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's a it,
0: they, they you know windows and, two and years. I'm
1: with I'm with them like I mean the 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 it is stupid the second apron is gonna make things difficult I just you know for me it's like I'm not very good about looking to the future as as a writer or, or person so I'll worry about that when we get there just like next year should be the priority and that's that's to me that means bringing it back and using all your resources and all your savvy cap gymnastics to put this team in the best spot and uh Let's hope the Celtics are ready for that Or maybe you hit the lottery with the uh, number 35 pick And find someone who can help you And you play Hauser And uh, again A lot of crossing your fingers in my plan here But maybe it'll work
0: or You're just hoping for Yamadar to come over and, and, <laughs> and There's some there.
1: competition between Yamadar And J.D. Davison And uh, you know, number 35 pick And Juham uh, Bagaron should, uh, should, uh, should be enough to get us through July Yeah Well
0: stay tuned for that in Las Vegas. <laughs> suddenly, those uh, those games have plenty of meaning now. But in the meantime, Chris Forsberg, NBC Sports Boston, uh, Mister, he'll be continues to do it all there. We'll be on all week long on those airways, hope and hopefully, we'll be going to, on a nice vacation soon.
1: I, well, I hope I continue to go on a golf course eventually. It's been it's been a rough May, so uh, you know, small small blessings. But I wish I wish we were watching this basketball team for two more weeks. Unfortunately, we're not. Well at least they they dragged it out for four more games for us for fun yeah, but yeah
0: um <laughs> all right thanks all season long Chris thanks to all you guys for listening all season long we'll be back with you guys again later this week with uh even uh more deep dive into the off-season um choices that are at hand and, and um there'll be plenty more of that to come here